insights, interviews, and the latest on all factors influencing the Australian red meat and global trade. This is Meat and Livestock Australia's On the Ground podcast with Josh Anderson. Welcome listeners to another MLA On the Ground podcast. What a fantastic episode. Again, well, I always say it's a fantastic episode. Hey, but this one, a little bit of a crowd favourite. Scott Walker, Regional Manager of Japan and Korea on the show this week. But first, here's the news with Amy Drew. The very latest from our team on the ground. This is MLA News with Amy Drew. Thanks, Josh. Here's the latest from our team on the ground. According to the latest sheep industry projections, the Australian sheep flock is set to grow to its highest level since 2007 this year, reaching 78.7 million head. Driving this increase are optimal breeding conditions nationwide, improved lambing percentages and medium-term industry confidence at the farm gate level. Growth is forecast across all states with larger improvements in flock numbers expected from South Australia, Western Australia, Queensland and Tasmania. The key sheep producing states of New South Wales and Victoria are also forecast to lift numbers, although not as significantly as the other states. Looking further ahead to 2024, the national flocks growth is projected to reach 79.5 million head, a rise of 1% or 750,000 head year on year. With the release of the December 2022 quarter lot feeding brief, a year in review analysis has been conducted by MLA's market information team to gain insights into how the sector performed. The sector has solidified itself as a major component of the Australian beef supply chain, accounting for a record 47% of total cattle slaughter in 2022. National capacity for cattle on feed in 2022 continued its natural upwards trajectory, with the industry anticipating to have space available for 1.53 million head in the fourth quarter of 2022. Compared to quarter four in 2021, a further 5.5% or 79,000 head of pen space was delivered in 12 months. Total grain fed turnoff for 2022 reached 2.74 million head, the lowest yearly turnoff of grain fed cattle since the rebuild year of 2016. And lastly, the Australian Bureau of Statistics has released its quarter four production and slaughter data for 2022. Notably, the female slaughter rate hit its lowest level in 26 years. The female slaughter rate is the total number of female cattle processed as a percentage of the total on a quarterly basis and is considered a key metric to the National Herd Rebuild liquidation cycle. In 2022, the National FSR averaged 42.8% the lowest it's been since 1996 and the fifth lowest since ABS records began back in 1976. Well, that's all we have for now, but for more insights, you can head to the MLA website, mla.com.au. Back to you, Josh. This is MLA's On The Ground podcast. I'm joined this week by Scott Walker, podcast favourite, I have to say, regional manager, Japan and Korea. Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Podcast favourite. I love it. Thanks, Josh. (laughs) I say that to all my guests. No, no, you're special. (laughs) I know that you'd be a a little bit tired this week after what sounds like a massive trade show last week. Yeah, we've had a huge one. We've just wrapped up the supermarket trade show for this year. It's an annual trade show. It focuses on, uh, on retailers and importers. And we had about 
probably about 80% of capacity to for attendees, so about 63,000 people coming through for the three days. Pretty big. Yeah, because we would have missed... Did we miss uh, a couple of years there because of COVID? This is the first time it's been on for a while, isn't it? It's the first time we've been able to have exporters, producers on the stand. Right. Since 2020, actually, was the last time that we, we just snuck in. MLA's kept the presence, though. We've, we've had a booth, and we focus more on sampling and education programs for the trade which has still been important because there there is a lot of Japanese uh, Japanese buyers coming through but this this time was the first time we could actually showcase you know other brands which is which has been awesome we had nine uh, separate booths within our our major booth structure which for us is pretty good yeah nine exporters is uh great comeback a, a little bit dwarfed by i think the guys had golf food uh the week after where they had 36 but maybe that's too many <laughs> but nine is a great number and tell us a little bit about the mla stand you had some new graphics flying around yeah yeah we've updated and refreshed all our true aussie logos to the now aussie beef and lamb logo so, you know, going back to our real core messaging, the Japanese guys loved it. They did notice that there was a change, um, but it really it really gave the local language a bit more real estate on the logo. So it was very clear what it was to them. So they're quite happy. And we, um, we got a bit of feedback actually at some of our events when we launched the logo that they're really happy with this change. So, you know, we had all that livery inside the booth. We also had some information about CN30 and some of our updated, you know, beautiful Australian images, which was which was great, you know, really invoked some some inspiration, some aspiration, and uh, the the interest was really high. So it was really really nice. Oh, that's fantastic! And uh, actually, just reminded me uh, this week we're sending out our international markets e newsletter, global markets update, which also has a piece in there about the new updated logos uh, and how to apply for the new one as we transition from the old true Aussie to now Aussie. Logos. Logos, so make sure for listeners to have a read. Tell me, Scott, obviously um, plenty of time to talk at these trade shows. Um, I like to call it water cooler conversation, but we know it's not all water cooler. <laughs> what, was the, what was the trade talking about at the show? You know, the impression that I was left with from these water cooler conversations was, you know, I could sum it up in one word really, and that's confidence. And I'm not just talking about confidence on the Australian side, I'm talking about confidence on the Japanese side as well. And, uh, and and there really was a lot of interest there. There is some concern about U.S. beef, and that's that's probably brought a few friends back to the uh, the Aussie beef direction. But on both sides, quite a lot of confidence: confidence in price, confidence in supply, and uh, and confidence in demand. You know, Japan opened up to two international tourists in October, right? But there really wasn't the capacity in airlines to get people over here. In January, 1.5 million people came into the country just just in the month of January. So this is all kind of feeding into you know an upswell of optimism, as optimistic as it can ever get about future demand. And and there certainly is a lot more buzz in restaurants and and food service areas. Shimbashi on a Friday night has is almost back to normal. It's fantastic. Confidence is a great word uh, to sum up the the show. Absolutely. What about the, you know, obviously supermarket trade show, but it's not limited to retailers. But in the retail trade, are the retailers saying that customers are coming back to physical stores or is it more online based or a bit of a hybrid since COVID? It's a bit of a hybrid, but we have seen a bit of a cooling in e-commerce once, the, once people are a bit more confident to go out. What will be really interesting is in, in next week, they basically make masks optional. So for those who don't know, we're still wearing masks from the second we walk outside the door to the second we get home. 
um, you know, in the office, in public transport. So they're easing those uh, those restrictions in March, which will make people a little bit more confident to go out. And then in May, they remove COVID as a, I can't remember the classes to be honest, but they basically downgrade it to a flu, uh, a flu-like virus. And that that's really the last removal of COVID restrictions that um, will signal to the Japanese consumer that it's okay to go out. I think they'll be conservative at first, but retail will be a big beneficiary when, uh, when, when people are more confident to go out and about. And e-commerce has cooled a little bit because people are more confident, but we're still seeing some pretty good numbers coming through the likes of Amazon and Rakuten. That's fantastic. And I guess, uh, as per usual, you held a networking event to accompany the show. Yeah, get, I, I got some great feedback from this event. Well, normally, we do a bit of a, a standing buffet style and it's a bit of a free-for-all, but we had so many you know, really important messages to deliver to the trade here that we wanted to we wanted to make sure that they we had a captive audience. So we did a bit of a gala dinner, um, and we did uh, one in Osaka and we did one in uh, in Tokyo, and they're probably one of our most well attended trade events ever. You know, we had over a hundred people in Osaka, which is incredible, and we had over two hundred people in in Tokyo. I also forced them to network with uh, with the Aussie visitors that came over. That was a bit awkward at first, but like once once they sort of got comfortable with the idea that they weren't going to be given a seat straight away, actually some really really solid connections were made. It's not it's not easy when you're when you're on the trade show floor. There's a whole lot to see. You don't necessarily get that chance to relax and and have a bit more of a casual conversation. It can be a little bit transactional, not as not as meaningful. So we we wanted to include these networking events. So there were there was a high level of satisfaction from the Australian visitors. And also from the the Japanese audience, and there were some pretty heavy hitters in the room. So it's quite quite good for us. And and our competitors don't do it, so we really stand out at the show for these events. I bet the uh, Australian audience loved a bit of uh, forced networking as well, especially those over there to do business. Sounds like a fantastic initiative. Oh, you can rely on them to get the momentum going. It's a great mix. Australians and Japanese. Once the customer relaxes, then they really get into it. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like a bunch of Aussies in a room to get the uh, party started, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, coming up over the next month, we haven't caught up about the program for a while. What's on the event calendar? Always, always busy event calendar over there in the uh, Japan market. In the lamb space, we've got the Nakano Lamb Festival, which is coming up on on Lamb Day, April 29th. Um, we've also got we've got actually two Hitsuji and Ajitsuke. So there, these are like marinated marinated Genghis Khan lamb Grand Prix competition. This is huge, actually. One day, I get to taste seventy different types of ready-made Genghis Khan product. It's quite an intense judging process with uh, with a number of a number of local judges, and then we award the best. And then we'll give them some point of sale material that they can use in their restaurants and and in their in their factories to give them a little bit of an edge over their competitors. That's really fun. That's coming up. And spring summer is our major Aussie beef campaign, integrated social media, TV marketing campaign that will canvas uh, the Kansai and the Kanto areas. So that's something that we we do sort of every year. But it is a very a very large campaign for us. So those those are some of the key more exciting things. The other thing that we're really, really excited about is we were able to launch the Aussie Beef Mates, um, or at least announce the Aussie Beef Mates program during the supermarket trade show. So we've got a visit coming up, obviously, in the middle of the year, and that will be with with our other Aussie international Beef Mates. But we've selected some really stunning influencers within the industry. So I'm really excited to see, and they're super pumped 
they're they are really happy to be involved in this program and uh, and I'm really excited to see what kind of influence and what kind of ideas and and education sessions we can build with these guys to grow you know that that love for for Aussie beef. Yeah, nothing better than uh, getting those Aussie influencers together. Uh, talk about networking. You don't really have to do much talking when you get those passionate <laughs> Aussie beef mates together. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think some of our team are, are also between our team and them. You'll never get a word in edgeways. Well, mate, I hope that uh, you recovered. You're sounding a bit stuffed up in the background there, so I hope you didn't uh, push yourself too hard at the trade show last week. Oh, uh, look, it can't, can't have been as bad as some of the people who had to do uh, Tokyo and then straight over to golf food. I My hat's <laughs> off to those champions who, who survived that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a bit of a marathon. But, um, Scott, it was, all as always, fantastic to catch up with you on the podcast and look forward to talking to you next time you're on the ground. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Awesome. This is MLA's On The Ground Podcast. Well, as always, great to catch up with our friend Scott Walker on the podcast. And as always, all of the information can be found on the MLA website, mla.com.au. Also, as mentioned, keep an eye out for the Global Markets Update this week coming to your email. I'm Josh Anderson. Look forward to talking to you in a fortnight. Don't miss an episode of Meat and Livestock Australia's On The Ground podcast. Subscribe now on your podcast player. MLA's On The Ground is produced by thesoundbusiness.com. 